Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right, we are ready to discuss February Day 13, Acts 13, 14, and 15. And so with this being February Day 13, we are now past the halfway point of month two. Uh, so that would put us somewhere around 12 or 13 percent um, through the Bible already. So uh, keep up the good work. Five observations from Acts 13, 14, and 15. Number one, Paul and Barnabas were called to preach the gospel to various cities. One of the things we see is this pivot happening now in the book of Acts. The first part of the book of Acts dealing primarily with Peter. Second half of the book of Acts dealing primarily with Paul. And so we see that transition happening here as Paul and Barnabas are called and set out to preach the gospel in various cities. Number two, um, another recurring theme that we've seen a lot already, some believed Paul's preaching and others rejected him. We just have to know that's the way that it is. Whether Again, whether this is a pastor, whether this is a, an evangelist, whether this is a believer just sharing the gospel in their own life uh, and with their relationships, we just know that there are some who are going to believe and, and some who are going to reject. There are others who are going to appear to believe, but in time will prove that they, they weren't truly converted. Um, you think back to Jesus teaching the parable uh, of the different kinds of soils. Uh, we just know that that's what's out there. And so uh, while we may be heartbroken over certain responses to the gospel, uh, we don't quit. We may be disappointed, but not ultimately discouraged. We know there are going to be different kinds of responses. That was true for Jesus. That was true for Paul. Uh, we should certainly expect that will be true for us. Third, God's purpose has always been for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 47 for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This has always been God's plan that the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. And it's one of the amazing realities of our life as believers that we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We do that when we share Christ with our neighbor. We do that when we pray for missionaries and those who are overseas. We do that when we give and support uh, the work of the gospel all around the world. This has always been God's plan. That the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. It's one of the real beautiful things you read about uh, in Revelation chapter 5, for example, that there are people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group represented in heaven. Number four, Paul is stoned in Lystra, but his life was spared. Uh, Paul, as, as we know and we'll read about even more, uh, has a lot of persecution. He goes through a lot of turmoil. Uh, his life is, is a hard one after his conversion. And we read uh, in, our, in the text today about 
Paul being stoned. That's at the end of chapter 14. They thought he was dead, but the Lord spared his life. And then number five, Paul and Barnabas separate after a disagreement about including John Mark. We read about that at the uh, end of the passage today in chapter 15. It tells us in verse 38, Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Verse 39, and there arose a sharp disagreement. Verse 40, um, but Paul chose Silas and departed. And so what we read here is Paul and Barnabas separate. They both continue doing ministry work, but they don't do it together because of their disagreement about the inclusion of John Mark. What does all this mean for us? Well, number one, first application, the gospel message divides, period. The gospel message divides. You simply cannot preach a biblical gospel in such a way that there's not division. As Christians, we're to be unified. Ephesians 4 speaks of the church living in the unity of the faith. It's not a unity at all cost. It's the unity of the faith. Those who believe the true gospel enjoy a true unity. But where the gospel is proclaimed, the gospel does divide. The gospel divides truth from error. The gospel divides believer from unbeliever. The gospel divides converted from rebel. And so you should never uh, think that there's a way to preach the gospel that all the world's going to embrace. Your goal cannot be, how can we take the gospel and make it palatable to the unbelieving world? That doesn't work. Instead, what you do is you say, how can we with clarity, with humility and clarity, how can we present the gospel so the truth of the message is understood? And at that point, it divides. Those who are truly believers will believe the message, receive the message, be transformed by the message. Those who are rejecting it will despise the message. But the gospel divides. That's an important application because if the gospel divides, that means sometimes when you share the gospel, people will believe and other times people will reject. What you don't have the freedom to do is change that message because of that reality. Our message must be clear and our message must be consistent. Number two, we should expect opposition and rejection as we minister. We expect opposition, we respect rejection. One of the things the book of Acts does for us is it, it walks us through and shows us a lot of the opposition and a lot of the rejection that God's people had to endure. If that was true for them, it's going to be true for us. So we should just expect that. That doesn't mean that opposition and rejection doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that when somebody rebels or turns their back on you that it doesn't sting. 
It does. And everyone who's been in ministry has been through this. All of us have. But we do expect opposition. We do expect rejection. And it's important to expect it, one, because it's going to come. Two, if if you receive an experience at which you will, it need not drive you away. Because you just know that's part of the deal. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be opposition. Number three, each church needs a plurality of godly leaders. Chapter 14, verse 23, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Every church needs to have a plurality of godly leaders, of pastors, shepherds, elders, trustworthy, faithful men, who fear the Lord, who walk with the Lord, who know His Word, who love God's people. Uh, every church needs a faithful group, a plurality of these men. The church should not uh, be a dictatorship. The church should not be a place where one person, one voice, one man um, leads, runs, controls everything. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for him. That's dangerous for the church. Instead, what you have in, in Acts 14 is this example of taking a group of godly men and setting them apart to shepherd God's people. And as they do the work of shepherding, as they fulfill the, uh, the work of a biblical elder, of a faithful pastor, they teach, they protect, they lead, they serve they shepherd God's people. Um, and it's important that that be a group of faithful godly men um, because there, there is wisdom in godly counselors. Um, you need iron sharpening iron. You need accountability. Um, and whoever the, the leader among leaders may be in a church, whoever the chief teacher, the chief pastor, preacher may be, that man is not going to be there forever. And when that one leader is gone, there ought to be another group of leaders already established there that continue the same work that the church has always been doing. And so each church needs a plurality of godly leaders. Number four, difficulty in ministry is a reality. Difficulty in ministry is a reality. Again, back to chapter 15, verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement. You just have to know, you know, sometimes uh, as, as leaders in a church, sometimes the opposition we face is from the world. Sometimes we preach the gospel and the world, the, the unbelievers, those outside the church, fight against it. Sometimes, though, um, our wounds come from within the church. Sometimes it's, it's people that work in the same ministry. Sometimes it's people on a mission trip. Maybe people that, that teach in a class together. Whatever it may be, it's just a reality that difficulty in ministry exists. We see it in Acts 15. You read about it in the book of Philippians with Yodia and Syntyche. Um, 
there are faithful people who love the Lord, who are truly converted, um, yet disagreements come up. That, that happens. It doesn't mean that we're indifferent to it, but again, it means we're not going to we're not going to bail and quit just because of difficulty. We're not going to say, "Hey, I thought this was going to be simple. I didn't think anybody would ever oppose me, and now opposition's come, and opposition came from inside the church, and so because that's so unexpected, so hurtful, so painful, I quit and I give up." It's not going to be how we do it. We know that opposition is real. We know that difficulty exists even within the church. And so we want to pray through that, work through that, be gracious through that, be forgiving, be long-suffering, but we're going to persevere in what God has called us to do no matter what. And then a fifth application, regardless of our circumstances, we must focus on serving God's people. At the very end of this disagreement between uh, Paul and Barnabas, at the very end of that passage, in verse 41, it says that they went throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Through it all, that remained the focus. Yes, there were disagreements, um, sharp disagreements, the text tells us. Yes, there were hard decisions to make. Yet, when the dust settles on that difficult meeting... When the dust settles on that painful decision, whatever it is, when you wake up the next day and you say, what are we going to do today? Here's what we do as leaders in the church. Strengthen the churches. So it may be that, that you've gone through a season of, of particular frustration. It may be the ministry that you've been working on has been opposed. It may be that you feel rejected. It may mean that everything just kind of feels turned upside down. And you wonder, what, what do we do? Here's what you do. You wake up the next day and say, by God's grace, how can I strengthen this church? No matter what it costs me, no matter what's happened to me, no matter how disappointed I may be, the goal is to glorify Christ by strengthening His church. And if you say focused on that, it helps you navigate the waters of disappointment and of confrontation uh, and even of strong disagreement. At the end of it all, we each have to be accountable for the Lord to say, I will serve Christ by serving His people and, and striving to strengthen the church. And then the summary from Proverbs 11, the second half, verses 16 to 31, I would say this, Generosity is a path to joy and blessing, while selfish living will never satisfy. The world says it's the opposite of that. The world is wrong. Selfishness leads to never being satisfied. Joyful generosity seeks to have leads to having more than enough. Generosity is a path to joy and blessing, while selfish living will never satisfy. All right, and with that, uh, we are uh, past the halfway point of our second month I uh, hope you're continuing to enjoy what you're learning, and I pray that today you will seek to strengthen your local church by being faithful to do what the Lord has called and directed us to do, no matter the cost. Have a great day.